So if you have your Bibles, open them up. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So excited to be here with you today. Um, first week of December is through. You got your lights up? Have you baked the sugar cookies yet? <laughs> my, my, my kids baked some sugar cookies yesterday, and um, they baked them. I ate them. I think it's a great contract. So um, that was a lot of fun. Monday night, uh, encounter night, loved worshiping with uh, Will and Kyla. We, we led some worship. You guys were here. What a great night that was. If you haven't been to an encounter night, raise your hand if you've ever been to an encounter night before. They're a fantastic night. They're the first Monday of the month, so our next one will be in January, uh, whatever date the first Monday of uh, that month is, so please come on out. But what really made a Monday night special was I, I got to lead worship for the encounter night, but then what else was going on that night? Yeah, Monday Night Football, and praise the Lord for DVR technology. I was able to record the game and uh, be able to go home, watch the game, watch the Seahawks. Totally beat the Vikings, which was awesome. Can't think of a better way to spend a Monday night. Last week, uh, Laura Ranel preached, which was incredible, uh, began our Advent Conspiracy series. If you remember, uh, what did she talk about? There was two words. It starts with a W. Worship. Fully. Worship fully. And Jeremy, thank you for uh, reading out those cards and some of those responses that you guys gave. Uh, I loved reading through all of those responses this week. We'll give you a chance to do that again today. But it's worshiping fully. It's the idea that we would open up our hearts to a deeper, to a fuller worship experience. And hopefully not just at Christmas time, but all the time. We would remember that Jesus has given us everything, that all our eggs are in one basket. His name is Jesus. And Jesus, church... I hope you're listening today. Jesus is worthy of our adoration, our affection, our worship, our very lives. Can I get an amen on that? Are we awake today? Amen. As a part of the Advent Conspiracy, I've been writing a short daily devotional. Some of you have been receiving that. If you want to receive that, it goes into your email every day. Today we're on day 8, and uh, it's going to go all 25 days. But if you want to be a part of that, we need your email address. So please... Give us your email. You can fill it on that connection card that people were waving earlier. If you want to, if if you don't want to use the connection card, go to the Welcome Center. Tell them, hey, I want to sign up for Pastor Dan's uh, devotional, Advent Conspiracy devotional emails. And you're going to get 25 of those from me. And I just think it's important with Christmas season and the way that Christmas is in America that we stay very, very close to the Bible, to God's Word this Christmas season. So today we're jumping into part two. And uh, this is, by the way, so far removed from how I usually preach. You guys know I'm a verse-by-verse preacher, but this series is completely different. I just felt, and maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like with what's going on in this world right now, uh, the principles, these four principles that we're walking through this month at at this church, I, I believe they have the opportunity, hopefully, for us as a church to take back Christmas and to bring it back to what it's truly all about. If you can't stand it, be patient. January is coming. But honestly, I think this is going to have a huge impact on all of us and on how we celebrate Christmas. But hopefully we're open to what we might want to say today or the Lord might want to say today. The topic today is simply spend less. Everyone say spend less. So that we would worship fully and we would spend Less. Some of you are already squirming in your seats. What a good day to be in the house of the Lord. <laughs> Spending less at Christmas. I, it almost seems impossible. I was thinking about it this week. Almost seems impossible because if you've noticed, we love 
to spend in America. What holiday did we just celebrate? No, Black Friday. All right. I mean, you have Thanksgiving. It's this great holiday. You eat all this food. You, you thank the Lord for everything you have and everyone in your life. But look at what we've done to that weekend. You got Black Friday. You got Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. I, I, I and you and all of us received hundreds of emails, think about it, from companies trying to get us to buy stuff. Which, by the way, is always what's so hilarious when people have a problem when the church sends them an email. I'm like, come on, like you get it from eBay and Amazon and Best Buy and, you know, Target. But, oh, the church sent me an email. But you get, thank you, the pastor in the room laughed at that joke. I appreciate that. But honestly, hundreds of emails telling us what we should do over that holiday season. And that season, that that Thanksgiving season is now truly a celebration of debt. (laughs) Just going into debt. We're surrounded by it that we need to spend more. In fact, I've seen this commercial a few times. uh, Really can't stand it, so I thought I'd share it with you. Let's watch it together. I go somewhere shopping this year. One for you, one for me. I love it. I gotta feel something too. Yep. One for you, and one for me. I love it. Oh, actually, that was what the big thing. I love it. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. I love it. That we do not have to succumb to that message. That we can actually spend less in the process, I believe, live deeper, more meaningful, richer lives this Christmas season. And it doesn't require us going into debt. It doesn't require us being slaves to the lender. But instead, we will be free to focus on the real reason for the season, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be in verse 24. Chapter 6, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking to a crowd, and he simply says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Church, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Uh, We thank you for today, this opportunity to hear from your heart that we do want to have your heart this Christmas season. We want to take back this season and and truly have it be a meaningful time, uh, a richer, deeper, meaningful time in your presence. Teach us again, Lord. We're not here just to go through the motions, but we're here for a renewing of our minds. And a change of our hearts. Do a deep work in us today. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, one thing has to be said right right away up front is I do love Christmas. If you know me at all, I I love Christmas. And and I even make Christians nervous. Because I like like all Christmas. And I know even some of you are squirming now. I mean, I I, I praise the Lord. I love that Jesus came um, uh, on Christmas Day. And he came in that manger. Praise the Lord for Jesus. But I also love hot cocoa. <laughs> I, I love Christmas lights. I, I love uh, Christmas trees that we just put up our tree. I love craft shows. You ever, did you know we have some of the best bazaars, I think, in the region? Have you ever been to the bazaar circuit here? Anyone know what I'm talking about? 
There's like three or four just in our town alone that you can go to. And it's where people, uh, really amazing creative people, make little trinkets and signs and those types of things. And, and I, I love to go to that. I love the Victorian country Christmas. Have you ever been to that before? Uh, such, so much fun. Uh, I love corny Hallmark Christmas movies. Anyone else watch the Hallmark Channel during Christmas Eve? It is so good. And just, I'm going to break it to you. They get together. <laughs> Every time they get together. We watched one just a couple nights ago, and, and it felt like maybe, no, they got together. They got together. I even love wearing my red Christmas sweater that I wear every Christmas Eve service. I also love presents. I love presents. Who doesn't like to receive a gift? Who doesn't like to give a gift? But have you noticed, giving gifts, it costs money. It costs money. Often it costs money. But come on, let's be honest. The amount of money we're spending on gifts just maybe has gotten a tad bit out of hand. I was reading in USA Today this week, and they said the average American will spend over $1,000 this holiday season on gifts, goodies, and travel. I don't know about you, but in my world, that's a lot of money. And when is it maybe just a little bit too much? Now, I'd also say this. I, I think the question of when it's a little too much, that's a personal question with a personal answer. I get it. I don't know your specific situation. I don't know your context. I don't know uh, your life. Each person's situation is different. But this I know. It is healthy for us as we consider Jesus' words in Matthew 6, what we just read, for us to ask some of these personal questions. And again, each one of our answers is going to be different, but ask these questions. Let's actually think about our relationship, our personal relationship with God, but also with money and spending. Think of it this way. Do I need to spend that money on another car? Or how much house is just too much house? How much food do I need? This is a big one. I just found this out this week. I, I was at a fundraiser auction. It was a dinner for exchange students raising money for this cool exchange student program. And they asked these exchange students, like, what's the main difference between here and where they came from? The common denominator of these kids again and again was that, wow, like the portions, the food is so much bigger. So they talked about how big the food is. And then they all started telling us actually how much weight they've gained since they've come to America. Like, isn't that great? They also told us that our school system was really easy. So Americans, anyways. So uh, how much food do we need? Uh, how many pairs of shoes is too many shoes? Again, I'm not going to answer that for you, but I think it's a good one to ask yourself. How many coats do you need? I love we're doing this coat drive, and it is incredible. You guys, have, it's just overflowing that trash can. We didn't need a trash can. We needed a dumpster, like way to go. But how many coats do you need? So I, I had coats in my mind. I thought I'd do a little experiment. Went into my closet, and I counted how many co- coats I had. I counted eight coats. I have eight coats. Church, that's one for every week. If you added an eighth day. <laughs> eight coats. The crazy part is, guess what I often look for when I go to Fred Meyers in the clothing department? I'm looking for a coat. All that makes me think about the words of Jesus. Again, what are we living for? Who are we serving? Life spring in many ways. I think spending less is, is just taking time, and hopefully we're doing that right now, but just taking time 
to really look inward, to take a hard look at our lives, a hard look at ourselves, and, and just ask this question. In fact, Kathy Ford and I were just having this discussion earlier this week, and, and it's this, these questions of what do I need versus what do I want, right? What do I need versus what do I want? And I think a big part of this whole Advent conspiracy is choosing to live and choosing to spend much more on what we need. You checking with me? Compared to what we want. And is it wrong to get things that we want? No, I don't think so. But where we would live more based on what we need than what we want. Anyone that's been here live stream for a while, you know anything I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching it to myself first. And it's been embarrassing lately, church, that honestly, I have everything I would ever want. Like, Maybe there's some over-the-top thing. I was thinking like a life-size remote-controlled dinosaur. I'd totally be into that. I mean, that would be awesome. Like, anyway, I'll move on. <laughs> but, but other than that, I mean, if you asked me what I wanted for Christmas, I don't know if I would even have an answer. Everything I'd want. I have a house. I have a car. I have clothes. I have food. I have family. I have a job. I have a nice phone. I even got those cool little earbuds, right? I, I have a beautiful mini grand piano in my living room. I even have a cat and a dog. I have so much. I have so much. Over the past five, six years, Mary and I, we've been having this discussion where we've just been thinking about our kids and and raising our kids and and thinking about our kids going through this Christmas season and, and what are we teaching them, right? Is it even healthy to live this way? Is it healthy to give our children whatever they want? Is it building character in them. Many of us were guilty of giving our kids way too much. Uh, in our home, praise the Lord, we realized this a few years back. And so for Christmas season, the Christmas time, we decided we were going to do things a little different. And maybe you guys have done this too. I, I think it's actually more popular than just our household. But we cut back, way back, on how many presents our kids would get. And instead we replaced those presents with experiences. Uh, have some of you guys heard of that? Or maybe done it yourself? Cut back on the presents and instead replace those with experiences. By the way, it is feeling a little bit like Alaska in here. So if we could turn the heat up, uh, just if you put it to 69 and leave it there, that usually is pretty good. Um, and it's so funny because half the room just said that was too warm. Half the room just said it was too cold. But we'll, we'll have it at 69. But we uh, replace some of those presents with experiences. And the idea is that our present to each other would be what? Us, us, our present to each other would be us. It would be our family time. And I'm just telling you, we've been doing this for a few years now. Our kids haven't complained, like not even once. They never had the intervention, you know, set us down like, hey, mom and dad, we've got to have a talk. No, not once have they even addressed that. They've had wonderful Christmases. Also, and it's pretty cool, my dad's here today. I'm thankful for the family that I grew up in. I actually had this idea of spending less modeled to me for quite a while now, when I turned 18, and so I'm the youngest of five, and I have two older brothers, two older sisters, but when I turned 18, uh, that family unit, so like my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, uh, we all decided, well actually they decided, I'm not sure I was still on board back then, remember I was 18, but they all decided that we wouldn't buy gifts for each other any longer. We would make gifts for each other, and it's been so fun. So do the math. We've been doing this now for 21 years of making gifts 
for each other. And, and so I've made blankets. I've made uh, Sudoku boards. If, if you guys ever played that game, it was a lot of fun. I've made giant Jenga for my family. Uh, Mary and I, we made this game called Wash You, which is so fun. Uh, it's kind of like um, cornhole. Have you ever heard of cornhole with the bean bags and you throw the cornhole? But instead of that, you just use these big washers and you throw the washers on the board. A lot of fun. It's, I mean, truly a lot of fun. And, by the way, meaningful. And when we get together, and we'll do it again, I think, probably, I think it's the 26th this year. But when we get together with extended family and we exchange those gifts, by the way, we don't even care what the other person made us, right? Does that make sense? I mean, hopefully we've moved past that, right? We're not uh, judging the gifts or, like, rating on a 1 to 10 scale how good the gift is that you get from your family. Like, not at all. I love my family. I know they made the gift for me. It honestly doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to love it. Now, you've got to remember, it started when I was 18. Uh, I think about Trevin. Trevin's about to turn 18. And uh, some of those early gifts weren't the best. I mean, I totally wish I had pictures of it. But I remember one time I went into the craft store, bought a styrofoam ball. I think I painted it green. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Another year, I think I, 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 I uh, bought a little wooden snowman and I painted it. And it looked as if it was my first grade Christmas project. So bad. Uh, Mary and I, another time, we uh, were just really busy. But praise the Lord, Mary was also pregnant. So uh, we, we got to that family time and we're like, our gift to you is a girl. Ta-da. So, um, yeah. But it, honestly, it doesn't matter. Uh, our family just loves those times. You don't have to spend a lot of money on gifts for it to be meaningful. In fact, I'm really proud of my sister, my oldest sister, uh, Christine. Uh, she actually talked to us all at Thanksgiving. She said, hey, family, I just want us to remember that this idea isn't to spend a lot of money on making gifts. It's more about enjoying time together around some homemade gifts. Maybe try that this year. But you know what? You're not going to see that commercial on TV. Can you just realize that you're being preached a different message almost 24-7 in our society? <laughs> Instead, what, what does it look like? It, it looks like that commercial. By the way, I'm not against cars. I mean, I love cars. I'm not against nice things. I love nice things. But come on, when your culture is telling you to have a good Christmas, not only do you have to buy one brand new truck, but you have to buy his and hers brand new trucks, that's crazy. That is crazy. As followers of Christ, is that what we want to pass on to the next generation? Is that what I want to model to the next generation? No way. No way. Now, spending less, it does not mean spending nothing, right? We, we live in a capitalistic society. We spend. That's a normal part of our life. I, I think a huge part of this Advent conspiracy and where I think it could be so powerful for each of us isn't that we spend nothing, but really that we're conscious about what we are spending, that we're making conscious decisions, conscious decisions in what we buy, where we buy, how much we buy, that we wouldn't get caught up in it all where we buy too much or even buying things that, I mean, if you dive too deep into it, it gets pretty scary. The, the pos- 
possibilities of even supporting things like child labor or sex trafficking. Again, that's a whole other subject. But that we wouldn't find ourselves on a Christmas morning with more than we would ever need, getting everything we've ever wanted. I mean, isn't it just a tad bit absurd if consumerism and debt reach their fever pitch on the morning where we celebrate our Savior's birth? I just, that's unsettling to me. I don't, I, I have, I, I, you know, I just, no. <laughs> no. And, and I'm going to go into this a little bit and a little bit deeper into my own heart because a lot of this comes down to a love of money and a love for the things that money can get you. Like Jesus said in Matthew 6, you cannot love both God and money. The Apostle Paul, he has some things to say about this. He says, the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And this love of money, I mean, this has the power to plague everybody, including, by the way, people of faith, including, by the way, your pastor. In our flesh, we crave money, possessions, and things. And isn't it frustrating when that happens? Like, you never want to admit it. But isn't it just a tad bit discouraging, especially for us that are Christians here walking with Jesus? Isn't it discouraging that all of a sudden our brains and our hearts begin to think, begin to believe the lie that money, possessions, and things are the answer, right? For our joy, for our fulfillment, for meaning, for our happiness, for us to live God's best life. Something inside of us decides that possessions, things, money, that that is the answer. And we've all done it. I'll never, this is a true story. You won't think it's true, but it's true. I'll never forget a TV evangelist. I was watching t- TV, and he was talking about how he lusted after a Mercedes Benz. So he, I'm laughing at my own thing here, but it's just unbelievable. So he prayed to God that God would give him a Mercedes Benz so he would not lust any longer. <laughs> I'm not against Mercedes Benz. I think they're awesome cars, but when your answer to your temptation or to your lust issue is to pray to God to give you what you're lusting after? Come on. I mean, at that point, we are so far removed from a biblical view of money and possessions. And we've got to remember, in our flesh, outside of Christ, in our flesh, we all have this in us. Right? We want bigger, better, newer. Right? Why would you spend less? It doesn't even make sense to our, uh, sometimes our flesh. Why would you spend less, intentionally spend less, when our flesh craves and longs for more? But praise the Lord. God is here, and He is here to help us. We do not have to live by the desires of the flesh. We can li- leave here empowered, encouraged by the power of the Spirit and by His Word. I just want to share some verses with you, and, and just listen up, and hopefully we can receive what these words are saying listen to the voice translation of first timothy chapter 6 verse 9 but those who chase riches are constantly falling into temptation and snares they are regularly caught by their own stupid and harmful desires dragged down pulled under into ruin and destruction whoa the church i think that kind of hits the mark doesn't it on some of what we're seeing in our country. I want to read it again. This time I'm going to read it in the New International Version. Those who want to get rich, they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I hope we're listening today. Chasing money. Lusting after money. The love of money. God has so much better for us, life spring. 
than just living for the riches and the things of this world. Now, in this area of money, uh, as I read the Bible, I've noticed that God does bless certain people with an abundance of wealth. Have you noticed that? I think of one guy in particular, Abraham, right? Abraham, absolutely. The Bible says that he was extremely wealthy. But do you remember the rest of it? He wasn't just blessed so he could have a bunch of stuff and he and Sarah could have his and hers GMC trucks. No, no. What does it say? It says, I will make you into a great nation, Abraham. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And listen, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He was blessed. What? To be a blessing. Have you heard that before? That we are blessed to be a blessing? Church, if you've been blessed with abundance and wealth, it is to be a blessing to others that others might be blessed through you. And all of us are blessed by the Lord. The Lord has blessed us richly. And that we would be blessed, again, to be a blessing. And and I've witnessed this in so many ways here at LifeSpring. In fact, one of my favorite parts of being a pastor over the last 15 years, maybe one of the most encouraging parts of ministering over the last decade and a half, has been to see wealthy Christians be radically generous in their giving. I've seen it again and again and again. When, When I started pastoring in Spokane, I barely had anything. I was living in this, I mean, it was, it was, it was okay, but there was a lot of spiders, and it was the basement of an air conditioning company. That's where I was living. So get that picture. But there was electricity, so it, it wasn't, it, there, was, there was light bulbs. But there was also spiders, and I was making $150 a month. But I was also at the church full-time. If you've ever been an intern at a church, you know what that's like. <laughs> to make nothing, but being there all the time. And I, I you know, I'm just telling you, there were people... And I actually texted one of them yesterday, cause I, and I haven't talked to her in years, but I just was overwhelmed with emotion. There are people that God used in supernatural ways to get me through that season. I remember I, I would be in the front row, and we would have four services on a Sunday morning, and I'd be in the front row just wondering how I was going to make it that week. And I'd open the Bible, and there would be a $100 bill or $200. And it wasn't... Anything but exactly what I needed. Exactly what I needed. I think about my grandparents. Uh, They lived a frugal life. And because of that and some good investments, they accumulated some wealth. And so when Mary and I came over here from Spokane, most of you weren't even here back then. You probably don't even remember this. But I was here part-time. So I also worked for the U.S. Census uh, in 2010. And then Mary worked part-time as a barista And there was no way that we were going to be able to stay here on that kind of income. But my grandparents both passed away. Very short, uh, within a time frame, just close to each other. And so we received some inheritance. And with that inheritance, we had enough to put down a down payment for the house that we currently live in. And then we used the other money to pay ourselves. We really paid ourselves to be able to stay here. So praise the Lord for my grandparents. That made a way for me to be your pastor. Praise the Lord for people who were blessed. Why? To be a blessing. Can you just say that that with me? We are blessed to be a blessing. And so I'm thankful for the Christ followers in my life who have wealth. And again, I see that on display on a weekly basis here at the church. But 
That's completely different than the, and I would call it this way, and it's not my phrase, but it's an infectious greed that is so common in this country. Uh, after a recession back in the early 2000s, do you remember a man named Alan Greenspan? He was the chairman of the Federal Reserve. This is what he said uh, during that time. He says, an infectious greed seemed to grip much of our business community. The infectious greed was a threat to the economic recovery. And I, I, by the way, I think it's easy to blame corporations about their greed. Uh, it's an easy target, right? When you read stats like this, here's just a couple. That the 26 richest people on earth own as many assets as 3.8 billion people who make up the poorest half of the earth's population. Or that the three richest people in the U.S. own as much wealth as the bottom half of the U.S. population, over 160 million people. Those kinds of numbers can be shocking. But I also want to be very quick to say this. I know that in my flesh, outside of Christ, that kind of greed is in me. It's in all of us. Greed, envy, lust, jealousy, all of those things are lurking, hiding in our flesh. The only remedy is a renewing of our minds and a true change of heart. An inward work, a deeper transformation... And this Christmas season, I hope you hear me today, the best place to find the renewing of your mind and the transformation of your heart is at the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. I get it. I'm poking into some areas. But I'm your pastor. And I hope you know I love you. My heart's desire is to see you set free. For me to be set free. For you to be set free. For us to use our wealth our resources in ways that are good, holy, and pleasing to the Lord, that we would worship the Lord with our finances. Anybody just excited about worshiping the Lord with our finances? Lord, that you would just invade us, inhabit this part of our lives. I mean, I'm talking to myself, but I, I just don't want to compartmentalize my faith. God, that you would have it all. Have it all. Holy Spirit, speak into those areas. Holy Spirit, speak into those areas of greed, of consumption. Teach us. Is it okay for us to pray to the Holy Spirit and say, teach us how to live self-controlled lives? One of the fruits of the Spirit, right? What's on that list? Self-control. It's probably one of the least talked about things and least prayed for things, right? But what if we just ask the Lord, sweet Holy Spirit, comforter, helper, Paraclete, would you come and walk alongside us and help us to live self-controlled lives where we don't just buy whatever we want to buy, but we would actually spend less. And I want to close with this church that we would spend less so that we could give more. And we're going to talk more about it next week, but that we would spend less so that we could give more. Meaningful, joy-filled, generous giving. It's actually seen throughout Scripture. The Old Testament, you're going to see uh, the, the, the tithe, the giving of 10% back to God, worshiping the Lord. The, the New Testament, it takes that to a whole new level. It opens the floodgates in my mind, in, in my perspective. It speaks to an overwhelming, hilarious generosity where he even says that we are cheerfully giving. Cheerfully giving. Not just to check a box, not just like hoping to be a good little boy or a good little girl, but hilarious, joy-filled, cheerful givers. Listen to what the Bible says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Amen. Each of you should give what you have...
tithes in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. For God, who does He love? He loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, praise the Lord, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, thank you, Jesus, you will abound in every good work. He goes on to say, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What a powerful portion of Scripture. And so much of this idea of spending less, it really is so that we would be free, set free to practice a spirit of generosity where we can cheerfully give more. And I want to close with this, also just where our giving would cost something. Right? I mean, it's one thing if we're giving, and, I, and again, I take it or leave it. Again, January is going to be verse by verse. But I've I just been thinking about this, wrestling through this this week, where we wouldn't... Our giving wouldn't just be that we put it on a credit card and went deeper into debt. That's easy. That's easy giving. But it's a whole other thing to say, no, I'm making a conscious purchasing decision. I'm not going to buy those shoes. I'm not going to buy that coat or that experience. No, I'm going to spend less. And there's a sacrifice to it. And there's a cost to it. But you know why? So that I can give more. That I could give to something that has eternal value. Not the things that rust and corrode and fade away, but the things that will last forever. I love what C.S. Lewis says about there being a cost to our generosity. He says, I'm afraid, I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Wow. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities or if our giving do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Man, I'm just challenged. When was the last time where we could say that there was things that we wanted to do this Christmas season, but we're not going to do them. We're actually going to spend less. Why? So that we can give more towards the things that truly matter. Man, I, and here's the deal. I, I don't think if you and I go through this Christmas season spending less and giving more, I don't think we're going to regret it one bit. I don't think we're going to be looking in January 2020 and like, well, that was a wasted Christmas season. I'm like, no, are you kidding me? All the, the, the richness, the depth of our lives, the depth of this Christmas season on things that last and are eternal. It might be the best Christmas ever. The worship team, come on up. I, I just want to say this. One of those ways to meaningfully give this Christmas is supporting this church plant in Nine Mile. And you guys have already been incredible on this. Last week already, um, I think, we were up to, in pledges, up to $4,500 uh, for for that church plant and praise the lord if you guys have heard the stats there's anywhere between 100,000 to 150,000 uh, that they'll be raising for the church plant by the way that doesn't all have to come from here and we're not expecting that at all uh, they're reaching out to several churches to have uh, just churches throughout this region support them in this church plant but i don't i just want to encourage you as you think about i mean how long has the church been around 18 18 years i uh, in fact we're celebrating our 20th in 2 years that's going to be awesome but 18 years ago, this church was planted. Do you remember where it was planted out of? Anyone? Northwest Church. 
Northwest Church 18 years ago. Think about all that Jesus has done in the last 18 years in this tiny community up in the hill of Edgewood, Washington. God has done great things, exceedingly great things. Doesn't it get you just a little bit excited to think about what God's going to do to this church plant in Nine Mile? Oh, man, it's sacred. It's, It's holy. Gives you goosebumps. Gives you chills to think about the people in Nine Mile, people that have been longing, waiting, seeking for a Savior. And they'll find Jesus through that godly community in Nine Mile. Praise the Lord. In your bulletin, we have opportunities for you to give. It's either a one-time gift or you can do a six-month pledge. We'll, we'll talk about it more the next couple of weeks. But as you are led by the Lord, just fill it out. We have a box in the back. It's uh, wrapped really cool like a Christmas present. You can put it right in there. Or pray this week. Pray this Maybe ask the Lord, hey, Lord, show me areas where I can spend less so that I can give more towards this church plant. Any money you give, by the way, write the check to LifeSpring. We just created like a separate church plant account. So it's going to go into that church plant account in LifeSpring. And then we're just giving 100% of it uh, over uh, to the church plant when it launches. Also, we want to hear the practical ways you are spending less. Uh, the ways that maybe, uh, as you've heard uh, the Lord speaking to your heart today, maybe he's given you creative ideas, creative ways that you could spend less this season. Mary and I, man, it's so fun being the pastor because, again, you preach it to yourself first. And the last two weeks have been awesome. In the midst of some really heavy stuff and hard stuff we've been walking through, in the area of finances, we've been worshiping the Lord, spending less and giving more. It's been a beautiful beautiful season for us. We want that for you as well. So write down your card. There should be a card in, in front of the chair. Grab that card. Grab a pen. And just and maybe even as we're singing this song, uh, just write down how I'm going to spend less as a response so that what I can give more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.